machine for a year or two. And then over time you start gradually to be more attached to it, to be more dependent on it. This is a situation I found myself into more than once. And this is quite annoying and it's a strain on the brain. And I've been through it the last few days and it kept me wondering about the ways I could make this less of a pain. Imagine if today you suddenly lost access to your current work machine. What would you do? This all rotates around the concept of less ties, less worries, better or lighter workflow. And there are no exact step-by-step -step guide to reach this. There are only some nebulous or vague ideas that rotate around it. But all of them makes it less of a strain on the brain for possible future changes. It makes it less of a, of a burden. So we're going to discuss how we could have less ties with the machine, how we could actually be more relaxed with our workflow, with our operating system, with our machines. And also today I'm going without a script. So I'm going freestyle. This is Vinam and you're listening to The Nixers Podcast. I guess the first best way to have nothing as a burden would be to have no machines to begin with. To be not tied at all with a machine. Let's say to boot from a USB or a live distribution. You're completely untied. Or, for example, you could have a thin client. That's a lighter approach to it. It's, uh, like we said, less of a strain on the brain for future changes because you can't really change anything on a live distribution. But other than live distribution, you could also have persistent pen drive, as they call it, or live disk show that you can run entirely on the RAM and the RAM. But that you can keep persistent data on the USB drive itself. On the other side, to do that, you will have to deal with the disadvantage of having slower boot time because of the USB media type or whatever you're booting from. A CD is slower to boot than to boot from the hard disk itself. More than that, you can do a full installation of a distribution on that USB drive, but the disadvantage would be that it's normally USB drive have less space than the hard disk. So to counter that, you can actually install it on a, on an external hard disk and they're pretty cheap nowadays. So you can do a full install on an external hard disk. And like that, you have no ties to a machine. But what's the real disadvantage is that uh, usually a lot of binaries are architecture dependent, let's say 32-bit, like 64-bit power PC, etc. And so you're not truly fully uh, machine-dependent because you'll have to install all the different kinds of binaries and you'll have to transport the libraries. So that's a bit of an overview of how you could do that, how you could lighten up your setup by not having a machine at all. Did you run your daily backups? Do you even have backups? Do you have backups and do you know how to deploy them back again? What's the goal of having backups on a desktop? I mean, okay, you back up your... your what? Exactly. What are you going to back up? That's the big question that we discussed during uh, last of 
our previous episode about backing up and deploying. That's the most important thing to think about. What are you going to back up and how are you going to set the backup again? How do you, are you going to deploy it? Backups themselves are a great way to remove a burden from your life, from your computing life in general. And you have to run them. You never know when your data is going to take on fire. And so you have to keep redundancy. You have to be consistent with files. You have to make sure that what, whatever you care about is duplicated there, that you know it's safe. But then, now at the moment, if you're a hoarder, if you're just stacking up files everywhere, then what's the goal of a backup if it's just a copy of everything? How are you going to set back everything again after you've lost the first machine? If you can't make sense of whatever you have in the first place, then a backup is really truly useless. It's just a junk. It's true you have duplicates, but those duplicates are useless. This is an extract from an article I've written called Keeping Track of Your Things. What some of us tend to forget is that to make a workflow smooth, you don't especially need to know your tools by heart, but you have to reach a point where your tools will guide you. You might, you might argue that as a Unix user, you want full power over your machine, but this is not what this is about. No one except the masochist would want to work on a system by forcing his intention into it. As a developer, sysadmin or Unix enthusiast, you dream of those days where everything goes smooth, where you're happy to have chosen Unix because it suits you best. The smoothness comes from the fact that your environment evolved and morphed to your needs and is capable of helping you to get on track and not get lost. So how do you reach that state of not getting lost? And apart from knowing the basic of your system and how to use the program themselves, the biggest part of an enjoyable and sweet workflow is one that can act as your second memory. By second memory, I mean an extension of your thoughts, thinking and physical brain memory. Let's say resident memory, but for humans. Let's start with a simple exercise. For those of you that have been on Unix for more than a year or even more, close your eyes and remember the last time you had to work on a machine that wasn't yours. What were the things that annoyed you the most? Was it the window manager itself? Was it that it was missing some tools you usually work with? Was it because you just didn't seem to be as comfortable? Or was it because you were lost on that system? The hard truth is that the only reason it was annoying to work on that other machine was because you were lost. It wasn't your home, you didn't know how to handle things that weren't in your mundane daily flow. And what makes a flow so intuitive? My guess is that it's all about the way you inserted your thoughts in the environment in the first place. People keep track of things. That's what information technology is all about. So let's list a bit of some memory helper that you can have, like a to-do list, some comments that you use to, to keep track of things, some browser bookmarks, open tabs, some program launchers, some maybe wallpaper, some shell history, aliases, functions, some, some shell scripts, helpers, some bookmarks, soft links inside your directories, the, the history itself, wiki files, documentation, etc, etc. There are a lot of things. And now, exercise number two, list the top of your memory helpers on your current machine. Now think back to a time 
where you use the foreign machine. If you could have used the equivalent of those memory helpers on that new machine, on that box, would you still feel the same? No. There's nothing wrong with having your machine helping you remember things, and no, it doesn't make you machine-dependent. On the opposite, it helps considerably. My bet is that you're already doing all that I mentioned unconsciously. Though it would be a bad idea to start doing that if you haven't grasped the basic and you're heavily reliant on your little fake memory. And the last step is to make those actions conscious. If you know that your shell history, for example, helps you do things more easily, it helps you have a better workflow, then have this conscious, do it consciously. Have a side program handle that history for you, for example, or keep it between machines synchronized. So keep note of whatever is your memory extension. Keep note of all those. Keeping track of your things. It's satisfying to know about the things that help you use your machine as an extension of your mind, but where do you draw the line? Where do you stop taking things inside your memory? And thus, in consequence, creating mental clutter and also visual clutter sometimes. Well, that's where the concept of minimalism comes into play. And we amply discussed it in a previous episode with uh, Joshua, aka SSH Bio. So uh, you can go back to that episode to uh, know more about this subject. But now I want to expand on it a bit, because there are many aspects around this topic. For example, simple living, which conflates with minimalism in the world of computing and minimalism in the world of art, and digital minimalism. So simple living would be a way to simplify one's own lifestyle. Minimalism and computing itself refers to hardware and software design that goes to the source, to the core of the value of what you're using. And minimalism in art is more like something used as less as possible bloat, let's say, on visually, to be able to convey the, the message, to still be able to convey it. So there's an article which I linked recently in the newsletter by Carl Newport on digital minimalism. And I think the things he mentions in his article encompass really the, the message I want to, to convey here. So he splits the, the value that you can give something in the digital world into three categories. And those categories are very subjective. You choose, you associate one category to whatever you personally think is appropriate for you yourself. So those three categories are the core value, the minor value, and the invented value. So the core value is for any technology or anything that significantly impacts a part of your life, something you cannot live without. A minor value is something that provides some moderate benefits and is very positive. And an invented value is something that offers an invented value. So it solves a problem that the technology itself brings into your life. Those values are very subjective and you associate whatever you want to whatever technology you have. But I think it's important with the topics of less ties to 
talk about minimalism because to have less ties you have to minimize minimizing in itself clears up the way because with while you have less things you're able to focus more and to keep it ordered more and to realize truly what you really need and while you're doing this backups do make sense but what else can you do to keep track of your things to to keep them in order that's what we're going to see next So maybe you know really what you want from the get-go. Maybe you, you have that little space in your mind to keep track of whatever you have installed on your system. But most probably you don't. You don't keep track of everything. And that's where some softwares come to help you. For example, you can use something to help you manage some .files, like GNUsto, which works by having a repository holding your .files and it managing them locally to push them and keep them in sync. Or you can use a software to give you a list of whatever you have installed, like a tutorial that will build itself. So softwares like Riserus that we wrote at Nixers. And you can use things to sync machines together like rsync. Or you could probably keep just a simple text files with a list of software packages you have installed or you hook it with your package manager so that whenever you install a new package it will append it to this list and pop it up on the screen every time you install something that is useless or that has become useless. What I want to say here is that there are a bunch of ways that can help you leverage the burden on your mind to keep track of your machine to, to keep it coherent together without necessarily making it a hassle to do. But this management part, I think it comes after the minimalism part. It comes after cleaning up the way and already knowing what you want installed and knowing how your system works. Uh, maybe you have to mess up your machine before going through that process. So overall, just use those softwares if you're not able to keep order yourself. There are some good practices that can help having less ties with a machine while still being productive. One of them is to not have configuration installed for all users, as in installed in the ETC or user local. So that means having everything in your home, having a transportable home, having something that is reproducible. So having a well-ordered tidy home directory is really really nice when it comes to having less ties with a machine. So if you want to have a glance at, at a thread that we did on the forums about this, to get ideas about how it's really fine to create your own home directories tree, then just check that. But overall, what I've personally find that help would be to have a binary directory, which you append to the path, some documents, some media, whatever, some programs, some source codes, and some documents, whatever suits your need. But overall, you just need to be coherent with it and to keep up with it and not let things hoarder up. So that's what I have to say about home directories. A well-ordered home directories is a transportable home directory.
let's continue on with the good practices. So as we've said, a transportable home directory is a great way to have less ties with a machine. So another thing would be to have a scriptable, reproducible, deployable home directories which would have everything in it. Let's say that's the mix-up between the dot .file keepers, the setup step-by-step -step keeper, and the portable home directory with the script that sets everything up, create the symlinks to where they should be, install the packages that are needed, etc, etc. And everything, all the configuration are in the home directory and once it's set up, it's set up. That's really a way to have less ties with the machine because that means that just copying your home directory somewhere else and executing that script means reproducing your whole configuration, your whole workflow with your minimal stuff and whatever you brings value, the core value to your workflow. I think that's the epitome of whatever having less ties with the machine means. And I think with that we can conclude this podcast. And you can add whatever more information to have less ties with the machine you, you want on the extended thread. And remember I did that episode as a freestyle, I'm not having any script in front of me. And I'm doing that partly because I... I wasn't done with the research I was doing for this week's episode. So we'll do that for next week and I hope you enjoyed this special episode. And it was Vinam for the Nixers podcast. <laughs>